Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's start with some baseball. Let's start with my people, San Diego. Yo, San Diego. Slam Diego. How we living this morning? Is it all good? Once again, in America's finest city. I think we can all agree on this. At least on this. Things are a hell of a lot better right now than they were 24 hours ago. Because 24 hours ago, everybody was still retching and dry heaving and going all Van Gogh and hacking their ears off and gouging out their own eyeballs all over this. Really going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go, goose. That's what's in. Bryce gonna lose, and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send them back. That's what's in. Uh, I didn't think it was possible. That bull crap is so much worse today than it was yesterday, and yesterday was the worst thing I'd ever seen or heard. Yeah, I know, a lot of you are probably really pissed, really upset that that abomination jumped a day. Listen, I want to be so clear about this. You think I'm happy about this. You think I'm happy about this. I want nothing more than to track those bags down and let them know that they have disgraced not only themselves, not only their family, not only their friends, not only their neighbors, not only their town, not only the team, not only the state, hell, all of humanity, and that they need to give me back my show. Give me back my son! And that they're banished from planet Earth for life. For life. 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 I know life. everyone wanted that to just go away today. I know it's one of the most cringy things ever to jump a day on this program. Because it's one of the most cringy things I've ever aired on this program. One of you yesterday even threatened to quit listening if you heard that garbage again today. So my man Abel in Austin, very loyal listener. He said he's been listening for years. He's had my back. He loves the program. Probably got him through a thing or two. But, but, if that thing jumped today and I played it back, he was gonzo. He said so yesterday. So my man, Abel, dude, it's been a hell of a run, yo. A hell of a run, man. Thanks so much for having my back, for being so loyal over the years. Sucks that it has to end like this. Hate to see you go. Abel, my brother. Brother. Let me allow you a second to gather up your things. All right. I'm going to need your key card, your jungle key card. We, we will not escort you out. Gather your stuff up. Okay. Peace out, brother. Go Longhorns. Hey, bottom line, nobody wanted those clowns to be a part of this story. Clowns. Least of all me. They made themselves part of the story. Everybody wanted 
that infuriating nonsense to go away forever. Believe me, I get it. But like I said yesterday, it's never going away because the internet is forever. And that bleep show is now burned into our collective memories forever. It may as well be part of the Padres playoff anthem now, which is exactly why I have to hype the pods for overcoming all sorts of adversity in game two yesterday. Man, things were looking bleak, bleak as hell. San Diego found themselves in an early 4-0 hole, and I was starting to wonder if the team was cursed, cursed by that absolute ship of tools. Normally, I don't believe in curses. I don't do superstition, but I know bad juju, and if anything could ever generate bad juju, it's that's what's in. That's what's in. That is some of the worst energy of all time. You want to talk about energy vampires? I freaking despise that energy. But finally, in the fifth inning, the Padres broke through that energy. The entire incredible city of San Diego had an exorcism. Somehow, some way, they were able to overcome the greatest adversity of all. The that's what's in, idiots. That's what's in. Somehow, they shook the putrid stench of that disgrace to humanity. And it all started with a Nola Ribby. A Nola Ribby off another Nola. As in Nola on Nola crime. His brother. Brother, both playing in the championship series. One of them headed to the World Series. There goes Kim. And a base hit to right center. Kim is headed home. Austin Nola gets his little throw. 4-3 game. So good. What an amazing moment that was. I don't know what's going on with the brand new things that have never happened before. But they're happening every single day in Major League Baseball. They've played Major League Baseball for like 9,000 years. How can, Everything's happened. How can something happen that hasn't already happened in Major League Baseball when they played 9,000 years? And yet every single day we see something like that, and that's another one right there. Aaron and Austin Nola are the first pair of bros brother. to face each other. Brother. Brother. To face each other. As pitcher and batter in postseason history, which also means no father has ever had a moment like that. No father has ever had to watch an at bat like that. And if you saw AJ Noah's reaction, it was priceless. Dude didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether or not to cheer or cringe, stand up, sit down, puke all over himself, high five the next guy. What do you do? What do you do? It's like the most amazing moment of a father's life. Not only did both of your sons make it to the major leagues, they're squaring off in a league championship series. The hell are you supposed to do if you're dad? And he didn't know. Like, the guy was rocking a Phillies jersey on top of a Padres jersey. Yo, what up, Pop? I know this. You know he walked out of Petco proudly wearing the Padres uni on top. Because the Padres kept that thing rolling in the fifth. A Juan Soto double tied it up. Brandon Drury came through with a full count. Two-run single to break that thing open. To Brandon Drury. In the center field, it's down. The Padres have turned this game upside down. They lead 6-4. Credit Fox. 
Listen to that joint. What an amazing scene up in there. Just as good and unique an atmosphere as you're ever going to find anywhere in baseball. I mean that. Amazing city, amazing fans, amazing yard, amazing energy. That's the vibe that you should feel when somebody mentions the finest city in America. Great energy, great people, great yard, great ball. That's how you rep San Diego. That's what you want to think of when you think of Slam Diego. Slam Diego! The whole Padres run was an amazing story until those total jackasses and their worst song ever hit the local morning news. Those tools make J.D. and the straight shot sound like Led Zeppelin. That dude's Robert Plant by comparison. And that dude's the biggest tool ever before these tools showed up. That's what's it. Those morons that I still suspect were actually Dodger fans pulling some kind of elaborate prank to deflect their own humiliation. Hard to believe, yes. Harder to believe that real people who are real Padre fans and really from San Diego would ever do anything that horrific and offensive and embarrassing and awful. Personally, I'm not coming back from that. Oh, and believe me, when I went home last night and I had to break the news to Dr. Jano that our 20-year plan that we started 20 years ago to end up in San Diego and retire there had gone to hell because of those tools, that didn't go well. That was not a good conversation. So I'm never coming back from hearing their BS. Never. That will never go away. I don't know that I ever bounce back after seeing and hearing that utter bullcrap. But thankfully, those 25 legends in the mustard and brown are a hell of a lot tougher and more resilient than I will ever be. And after seeing that song and seeing them lose game one, and seeing them fall behind 4 nothing last night, and already having Philadelphia rip that home field, I thought my dudes were DOA, freaking dead on arrival. I should have known better. I should have known better. Not dead can't quit. Not dead can't quit. Even if my dude Abel is not dead, but did quit. He did. Abel, you quitter. More like unable... Are you like me now? Unable? Disable? I would like to enable, but you quit unable. It is time to knock that new business idea out of the park with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. And Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow. And Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. 
When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase, and start selling online today. Shopify.com slash Rome. Anyway, we've got ourselves a series. The Padres are going to have to get one there to get it back to Slam Diego. But if they can overcome the that's what's in that's bags, what's in. then they can overcome anything, even the Phillies and Philly fan. And I'm not here to start anything with you, Philly fan. I've seen your act. I love your act. Normally I would say I've seen your act and I don't want to be on the wrong side of you, but I've seen your act and I love your act, Philly fan. And you're having a moment everywhere, in fact, all around town, Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, Flyers, I'm not jacking with your vibe. Hell, I want to ride with you. I want to eat horse crap sandos with you. I want to climb Crisco poles and have tomahawked goose bottles bounce off my dome with you. I do. I got that on video. That was some lunatic who got up a pole that apparently was not Crisco'd, and somebody hit him with a tomahawked bottle of Grey Goose. Literally bounced the bottle right off this guy's head. I mean, like a tomahawk throw. I got that on video. And then that tool, I got that on video. Of course. Nobody was going to throw that bottle at that loser until somebody had their phone up. Anyway, just know, I'm riding with you, Philly. But you got to know, I've got San Diego in my blood and in my DNA. But mad respect for you, Philly. So I'm not rooting for anything other than something to talk about in a long-ass series. And I think we're going to get it. And maybe some more NOLA on NOLA crime. So what I need is for Philly fan and Padre fan to get the hell up in here. Let's talk about an epic NLCS. I'm all about that action. I love it. Where are you? Where are all of you? I need both sides. Oh, and Philly fan, I have one serious question before I go to break. Honestly, serious question. Serious, serious question. Is Bryce going to lose? Oh, and a quick follow-up. Is Manny going to cruise? Bryce going to lose, and Manny's going to cruise. That's what's in. Hey, Padre fan, I got one for you. You're not serious about that rally, Goose, are you? Let's go, Goose. That's what's in. I'm not even going to ask you to show me my lightning bolt. You know why? Because I feel like this thing's going to go seven. And if it's going to go seven, and I'm going to roll like that, I don't want them to roll me into a hospital bed and I have to do the show hooked up to a bunch of machines because I don't know that I've got that in me. My last doctor's appointment, my annual physical, Doc looked at me and he says, you know, your numbers are pretty good, but man, there's something showing up in the charts that's concerning. Have you been doing your butter knife impression lately? Yes. How often? More often. How often? 
I don't know, Doc. Why do you ask? Jim, how often are you doing the plastic knife? I don't know, once a week? At this rate, Jim, you have five years to live, maybe. Meantime, Dr. Jano's like, it's not true. It's not true, doctor. He's doing it every single day. He does it at home off the air. All right, in that case, Jim, you've got two and a half years to live. Stop doing it. I got to be careful. He's like, Jim, I'm telling you, it's going to go very badly. Yeah, yeah, Doc, I'm hearing you. No, you're not hearing me. Listen to me. Your voice will go first, and then everything internally will just explode, implode. It will be time to die. Cause of death. Repeated impersonations of a plastic butter knife. Be careful, Jim. It's going to be a long series. Okay, Doc, I got it. Meantime... See, I don't want to be taking my coffee on air through an IV. I don't want shock to fire up the defibrillator. Clear! Then Ike will have to change my bedpan because I've aged like 20 years in 20 days. Ike's been changing his own bedpan for years. He knows. Mmm. Mmm. Game on. Gotta be careful. Anyway... It's going to be a long series. It's going to be a great series. We once again have a series, but I'm not going to lie. Considering those dopes and the fact that Philly ripped game one and then jumped on San Diego for nothing, I'm like, I can't believe this. Of course, actually, I could believe it, of course. And then the grit, the heart, they came back. It's awesome. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Hey, John, what's up? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, there you go. What's going on? There how are you? you? Hey, John. Good. Hey, how are you doing today, sir? Mr. Rome, thank you for the call. Thank, well, thank you for the buy, I should say. You thank it. you for taking my call. But let me just say, first off, I hope you and Dr. Jano do change your minds because I know you guys got San Diego roots, okay? Don't let a couple of Delta Bravos ruin this entire great city that you know that it is. That's number one. Number two, I do feel for Pops Nola. My mother's from Philadelphia. I'm born and raised in here, San Diego, and I've got my 87-year-old mother talking junk, talking trash, doesn't want to watch the game with me because, as she put it, she doesn't want to see me cry. And I can't talk jack junk back to my 87-year-old mother. But let me just say, the best thing that ever happened to the Padres this year is Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin turned this thing around. He kept this thing on track. He let Manny be Manny. He's letting leaders be leaders. And it's going to be a great series. I think the Padres are definitely going to take this thing. It's going to be back and forth. But, of course, I'm thinking the Padres are going to take this thing in seven and ride this thing all the way to a first championship in this city. It's going to be great. And we're going to have to, you know, uh, 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 Crisco up our own polls and all this because you got people like me with 40 years of repression waiting for at least one championship 
in this city. And I think this is finally the year we're going to do it. War Padres, War the Fire Faithful. All right, and whatever clowns that made that song, you were definitely Dodger fans, okay? Stop trying to hate and just learn how to hit, okay? I don't want to hear about your 111 wins anymore, about how the, po- uh, the playoff series is a joke. You lost. Suck it up. Get over it. I'm out. My man, John in San Diego. Rack him, Alvin. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com and you will thank me later. Now, if the mood around the Bears right now is less than positive, it's probably because they're 2-4. and four. Probably because they've lost three in a row. Their offense looks like ass. They blew their last game on a muff. Muff. They're 31st in points per game. Justin Fields has the fewest yards per game of any starting quarterback in the NFL. Essentially, it looks like Coach Pennis never left. There is almost no discernible difference between Matt Nagy's Bears and these Bears. And there are almost no positives to point to here. Nothing. Unless you ask the hood. Because the Bears... Have to go to New England this week, which means Hoodman has been studying up on Chicago. And the Hood really wants us to know, really wants us to actually believe that he is just plain loving what he is seeing on the tape. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever heard a football coach praise another team so much in my entire life. And again, he's talking about the 2022 Bears, not the 85 Bears. The 2022 Bears, the hood, actually, actually opened his presser yesterday with over seven minutes and more than 1,000 words praising the Bears and talking about how amazing they are. We've uh, you know, had a chance here to spend some time uh, looking at the Bears. This is... Um, you know, a pretty impressive group and, and uh, really a young team that you can see getting better um, all the time. Uh, you know, Coach uh, has done a really good job here with, you know, installing his system and I think adapting and uh, to the personnel that, that they have there and obviously getting a lot of young players involved. It's one of the youngest teams in the league. Um, uh, let me just jump in and, and go ahead and keep that going, Alvin. Keep the clock on this guy. Listen to the mumbler. He's not even mumbling. 
In fact, he's downright effusive. Now I get why he skipped out on Bobby Kraft's wedding. He was locked in his office, drooling all over Bears film. Probably all decked out in Bears gear with a Bears foam finger and a Bears beer koozie and a deep dish pizza. Who the hell wants to hang with Elton John and Ed Sheeran and Meek Mill and a whole group of the most legendary Patriots ever when you can be locked away in a dark room watching the Chicago Bears play football, right? No-brainer. I mean, seriously, over – he's still going. Listen, this is not a loop. This is not edited. This is like real time. He's still going. Over seven minutes and more than 1,000 words of pure bullcrap. In terms of having to defend them. Listen to him enunciate. Really Listen to the energy. Listen to the enthusiasm. Listen to the respect. Listen to the admiration. The love. Who the hell does this guy think he's fooling? But really, the, the backs, you know, Mooney. Oh, the backs. I, I look at them. I see Mooney. Guys that can really. Hey, by the way, I like score on Darnell Mooney. Play. This guy sees Mooney, and then he thinks Walter Payton. The only thing as impressive about this as him actually doing it is that he was able to maintain a straight face the entire time he did it while he spewed pure bullcrap for more than seven straight minutes. Everybody knows what's up here. Everybody knows what this guy is doing here. Everybody knows the worse that the hood knows an opponent is, the more smoke he's going to blow right up their ass. Every single game week. Everybody knows that ahead of an actual big game. We could have all set our own watches to it. Against an actual team that he respects, you can barely get this guy to puke up seven words. Much less seven minutes of the highest praise ever bestowed upon any football team ever. On any level. In any year. Oh, this act is so tired. And so college. Like, what are you worried about? Rat poison? Are you worried about the rat poison, Hood? You coach grown-ass men, not teenagers. Exactly. What are you afraid of? That they might get into their phones? They might find out that the bears are ass? They already know the bears are ass. The bears know the bears are ass. What are you afraid of? They'll be up in their phones, and everybody will be hyping them up? And then they'll take the cheese. They'll eat the rat poison with two T's. Hood, they're pros. They're grown-ass men. They pull paychecks. They've got families. You're treating them like pee-weers. You're insulting them. He's still going. Listen, he's still going. From Indianapolis with him. This is the ultimate for who? For what? How is this worth it? Hood, listen to yourself babbling on and on and on about the Chicago freaking Bears. Like you're some teenager at the mall. Just crushing hard on some co-ed. Dude, it's embarrassing. It was so amazing when you told that rookie. Okay, let me give you credit. It was so amazing when you told that undrafted rook 
to F off when he tried to bring you the game ball on Sunday. That's who you are, dude. That's who you are. That was great because that was pure hood man. That was authentic. That was real. That was real. This is just real lame and real bull crap. You know what this crap is? This is like pretty much the worst form of nice radio. And nice radio was the worst form of radio. Is it ever going to end? This guy is still going on. He does know that it's not the 85 Bears. He does know that it's not the Monstars from Space Jam. The good Space Jam, I mean. The real Space Jam. Not the GM's freaking disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the other stuff makes your ears bleed. That's like an eargasm right there, isn't it? Listen to me. Listen to the young fan smack. Get this guy a tennis racket. Yeah. As if that weren't cringe enough for a Bears fan to endure. It somehow gets even worse because after Hood beats the Bears this week, he's going to go right by George Hallis for second in all-time NFL wins, a.k.a. Papa Bear, a.k.a. Mr. Everything to the City of Chicago. So Mumbler is about to speed right past Bears fans' biggest hero. And he's serving up over 1,000 words of bullcrap as an appy. The entire thing is just one gigantic troll job. From one gigantic troll. The goat, yes. But also the goat at trolling. It's tired, yo. Even if this guy can still win football games... Even if he can somehow cobble together an offense around Bailey Zappi, who, by the way, by the way, I like Bailey Zappi. I do. But he's got Bailey Zappi out there with Matt the Pencil Patricia and Joe Know-It-All Judge, leader of men. I don't know how this guy's doing it. I just know that nobody wants to hear seven and a half minutes of how great the freaking bears are, so now I'm done. Don't insult our intelligence, hood man. What you just did was the press conference equivalent of a rookie running over with the game ball to give to a Hall of Fame head coach. So I'm going to do the same thing that you did to that rook and tell you to F off. Get the hell out of here with this, hood. That's who you are. Get the hell out of here with this, hood. Man, seven minutes and a thousand words about how amazing Chicago is. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it. 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know, you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray, goes on dry, 
clean feel all day. Howard Beck. Howard, good to have you back. How are you? Doing all right, Romy. How are you? Good, dude. Good. In fact, I want to start, Howard, with the book. For those who do not know, ooh, that's Siri. For those who do not know about the book itself, Howard, because it will lead us into what's going on with the Lakers right now, exactly what is the greatest show on earth about, and how were you personally involved in this book? Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. So Greatest Show on Earth, it's a book by Sports Illustrated with Triumph Books that is basically a compilation, celebration, if you want to call it that, of the Lakers' 75th anniversary. And I, I keep telling people it's this. Like, if you love the Lakers, fine. Laker fans will love the book. But if you just love the NBA and you love great writing, this is 15 stories that are from some of the greatest sports writers of yours and, and my lifetimes, Jim. Um, Frank DeFord, Gary Smith, Jack McCallum, Lee Jenkins, Chris Ballard. Um, and it's about all the Laker legends, right? These are all like ripped from the pages of, of SI over the decades from the 60s through the present. So Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Kareem, Magic, Shaq, Kobe, all of them in there. Um, it's a fantastic book. I had the honor of writing the introduction, which means my name is on the front of this, which as a kid growing up on Sports Illustrated is the coolest thing in the world that uh, my name is on the front of this, along with a shot of Shaq and Kobe, who, as you know, I covered for those years. So that's kind of cool, too. So honor for me to be uh, associated with it, honor to have my byline in there with uh, so many luminaries of uh of sports writing, and it's just a really cool book. So thank you for the uh, chance to plug. No, you got it. It is a very, very cool book. Howard, you mentioned, you and I have talked about this so many times, but you used to live here in L.A., and you covered the team, and those were really heady times. You mentioned you covered Shaq and Kobe. When you think back on that time, when you think about that dynamic, what comes to mind? What was it like to cover that team then and to cover those two in particular? It's funny, Jim, because over time you look at it a little differently. Like now I look back at it through – a little bit of rose-colored lenses and, and just kind of the, the, the sentimentality of like, man, that was awesome. I saw, I saw some amazing basketball and some amazing moments with Shaq and Kobe over those seven years and obviously the three championships and all the way through to, to their breakup in 04. At the time, it was just stress, man. <laughs> At the time, it's just you're, you're just cranking every day on stories. And as you know, a drama-filled era, to say the least. And that's the thing. And I wrote this in the introduction to the book that – the Lakers and, and drama just are hand in hand. Like you do not get one without the other. And you also don't get the Lakers, of course, without just massive legends of the game of in every era. Um, the, there are just some th certain things that are just kind of baked into the franchise's DNA. So covering it was in some ways a thrill ride, but at the time you're doing it, you, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make deadline, just trying not to get caught between Shaq and Kobe craziness. Um, and it's it's funny. It's it's. I, I think it was harder to to appreciate how special it was and how historic the things I was seeing were in the moment. Because it, it, it like I say, I'm just trying to make deadline and just trying not to get too caught up in in you know a lot of the craziness that was going on during that era. It's such a good point. Like how could you not? How could you not get caught up? Or how could you appreciate it? because you're in it at that time. I think Howard, you make a great point, too. You try not to get caught up or caught between 
Kobe and Shaq. And that was not easy because back then, that's how that town was split, right? You were on Shaq's side or you were on Kobe's side. And I made no bones about it. I was always a Kobe guy. I definitely took Kobe's side. But it was hard because you had to take a side. And then when you mentioned, Howard, for instance, that there's always been drama. There's always been drama, but there's often been wins. Lots and lots of wins. Right now, there's lots and lots of drama. What did you make of the way the Lakers looked in the opener? And then what was your reaction to LeBron coming right out after the game and openly talking about the roster construction and their inability to make shots one game in, Howard? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we've seen these moments from LeBron before over his time in L.A. and Cleveland and Miami, and Cleveland before that. Um, it's usually something he might do in January, February, when, you know, that's closer to the trade deadline and he may be feeling a little antsy about whether or not the franchise is going to make a move and all that kind of stuff. That uh, He pulled that card on opening night was something. Um, but he's not wrong, Jim. I mean, it, it's, you know, we could talk about the, the decorum aspect of this where should the franchise star be the one saying this, but he's just saying what all the rest of us were already saying in the first place, which is the roster's got a lot of holes. It's not great. Um, the Lakers did not have a good offseason. You know, hiring Darvin Ham was fantastic. Nobody disputes that. Um, firing Frank Vogel was questionably justifiable. Um, but fine, you made a coaching change, and you got, a, uh, I think, what everybody believes is a very good coach. But the roster is still broken, and Russell Westbrook is still on it, and it still doesn't have enough shooting and enough, you know, uh, young legs and, and wing defense. Um, so it's interesting to hear LeBron articulate some of it right out of the gate. But maybe it's also that, listen, if this, if this season's going to mean something and not be what J.J. Reddick suggested on TV – uh, I don't know if it was today, yesterday, but, you know, J.J. Redick basically saying, hey, this season's really just going to be about a celebration of LeBron and his greatness and him chasing Kareem's scoring record. If you don't want it to just be, you know, a, a, a nostalgia tour and a, you know, LeBron chasing history tour, then you've got to do something sooner than later. So I don't – personally, I don't mind him sounding an alarm right out of the gate. Like, I know some people are going to quibble with that. Um, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. I agree with you. He he didn't say anything that we didn't already know. I just think it's really curious that he ended last season by saying, oh, this year was not a failure. Yet one game in, he's already saying, you know, we can't shoot. We don't defend. We Our roster is not constructed properly. Right, right. But last year was not a failure. Oh, okay. Yeah, those two things to me don't really add up. But I, yeah, he's not wrong, Howard. So you said unless something changes dramatically, this could in fact just be what J.J. Reddick said it's going to be, a celebration of LeBron and him chasing Kareem. So what could change? Can they move Russell Westbrook? And if so, when and for what? They can move him. They've been able to move him. But it's, you know, at, at the moment at least, and I don't expect this will change because everybody knows how desperate they are. No one's taking Russell Westbrook without both of their future picks, um, the, the first-round picks that they have available to trade. And, you know, Rob Polenka has been steadfast in trying to not give up, you know, more than one future asset. Um, I don't know that he can do that. I don't know that he can do that. And the other thing he said, you know, Polenka said uh, before the season began was, we'll, we're willing to move those picks, but we want to do it if it's getting us into title contention. Well, they're too far from title contention for that to be the case. So they're caught between a rock and a hard place here, Jim, because if you want to say, well, we're only moving both picks in addition to Russ, which of course he didn't pull didn't say that at the moment, but that's obviously what that means. Um, you're not getting a piece that's putting you over the top 
because Westbrook is a negative asset. The picks are what you use to, to get somebody to take his $47 million deal. So they're not going to get enough to make them contenders. But I would argue, and I think probably you know Laker fans would, would mostly argue this too, um, that it's not about title contention necessarily. It's about making the season even relevant. Like the Lakers aren't even a lock to make the playoffs, right? Like they're, they might be a play-in team. Um, are they going to get out of the play-in tournament and get the seventh or eighth seed? And then if they're the seventh or eighth seed, are they going to win a round against one of the top two seeds in the West? That's a, you know, not as currently constructed, but if you made the long rumored deal of Miles Turner, who's, you know, now hurt at the moment, but Turner and Buddy Heald provides a couple things they really need. And, and, and so it would get you closer. It would make you a better team. Is it making you a title contender? No, that, I don't think that deal is going to put you past the Warriors or the Clippers or you know, possibly a couple other teams, but at least you're back in business. And look, if it takes you out of the running contractually, uh, cap-wise, for free agents next summer, so be it. You're not, you're not fixing this through free agency most likely anyway. And, so, and, and besides that, if you just wait for Westbrook's deal to come off the books next summer, then you have burned a season. And at this stage of LeBron's career, you can't just burn seasons. Yeah, the ring is not the thing. Watchable would be nice. Relevant again would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Watchable would be tremendous. Howard Beck joins me for another moment or so. Sports Illustrated's The Greatest Show on Earth is out right now. Howard, you mentioned Golden State, so I want to get your thoughts on that quickly before you go. Everybody involved said they were looking to move beyond Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. Based on opening night and what you see and what you hear personally, do you think they have turned the page or are they still very much in this and is this process ongoing so it's it's fascinating jim think of it this way because i don't think anybody's really brought this up let's imagine the alternate scenario where the warriors did what everybody was demanding they do and, and thought they absolutely had to do and there was all the judgments and the morality coming into play you have to suspend him you got to suspend him suspend him for a month suspend him for three weeks suspend. what would we be talking about right now if the warriors had in fact suspended him and they come out a little bit less fluid on opening night because of all the things that Draymond means to them defensively and as a playmaker. And we're all talking about, yeah, Draymond Green is out for a few more weeks. We'll see what happens when he comes back. And then we're going to have questions for him and questions for Poole and all these guys all over again. And instead, by not suspending him, whatever people may thought of that, as I'm just talking about as a basketball matter right now, what's good for the Warriors, we're not really that caught up in it right now. Like, nobody cares. Like, they looked fine the other night. Jordan Poole and Draymond Green's chemistry between the two of them looked fine. The Warriors' chemistry overall looks fantastic. Their bench looks incredible. Um, sure, they were you know beaten up on a Laker team that's not equipped to deal with them, but they look great. And there's you know whatever they're still dealing with internally, I don't want to downplay that. Like that, I don't think you just brush past that. There has to be some ongoing consequences and feelings about it internally that probably they'll deal with for some time. But the fact that it's not an open book or that we're not all talking about it and obsessing over it and still talking about, well, Draymond Green's out another three weeks because of that suspension for punching Jordan Poole. Instead, we're going to be just watching and going, wow, the Warriors are amazing and look like they can win another title. And I don't know that that's part of the calculus in deciding not to suspend Draymond Green. I, I, I think it's a lot of things. But certainly the alternate scenario where we're still talking about it because he's out uh, would not be doing them much good. I think that you make a very interesting point. And then finally, on top of that, Howard, so they want to put that behind them. They all said the right things. My feeling is that's not something that you, 
ultimately, maybe you never fully get over it, but you certainly get beyond it. And if you've got the right culture, and we always talk about their culture, you get beyond it more quickly than not. But then right before opening night, you've got Draymond with that self-produced doc talking about what he's been through and the punch itself. I really thought that would have more shelf life than it did. Did the team see that coming? Did the team know about that? What was your reaction to that part of it? Yeah, I don't know if the Warriors knew it was coming. I cannot imagine they were real pleased with it. Um, I did not see it live, but watched it the day after. And all I can say is, um, I, look, I think Draymond Green is a really smart person, and he's really smart in terms of his his media presence for the most part, whether it's his own podcast or whether it's talking to guys like me. Um, great respect for him as an individual and as a player, but that was a mistake. Um, and, 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 and I don't think the network did him any favors on it. Um, the fact that there's no Jordan Poole in there, his voice in there, the fact that it's not really about Draymond's contrition, but more about dealing with the aftermath himself. Well, you know, when people think about the aftermath of an incident like that, they're thinking about the aftermath for Jordan Poole and his family, which Draymond, who, to his credit, had talked about when he first spoke um, you know, a couple weeks ago and sat for 40 minutes in front of, of the Bay Area media, which, I, you know, again, I appreciate the fact that he was accountable immediately and, and very upfront about, you know, you know, the mistake he had made and, and just dealt with it head on and did express concern for, for Jordan Poole and his family and all that. But, but the, 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 the little documentary that they did the other night did not have any of that. And so I, I just, it was unfortunate. Um, I, I, I just think that, that somebody needed to make a different decision there. I agree with you, and I'm a Draymond guy. I've, I've always been pro-Draymond. I've known him like you, going back to Michigan State. I respect him. I admire him. I like him. I think he is smart. I think that he's made some mistakes. I think that for the most part, he's owned those mistakes. I think that was a mistake. I think that that's not something he should have done. He was trying to make it right. He was trying to get beyond it, but I think that that was not the right call. And again, thankfully, I think that that's not a big talking point. That could have gone even worse for him. Sports Illustrated's The Greatest Show on Earth is out right now. Howard Beck's a part of that project. There are a number of great stories and great writers to attach to it. Howard, it's always good to have you on the show. Appreciate the relationship and the friendship, and it's good to have you back. Thanks so much. You too, Romy. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Sam Hartman joining us. I mean, the season itself is an absolute grind, I would imagine. How nice was it, Sam, to have last weekend off, and what did you do with that rare spare time? Um, yeah, it was great uh, to get a bye week kind of in the middle of our season. And also, it, you know, it fell on fall break, which was, uh, you know, another blessing so we could have some time off school. But I, uh, I went down to Charleston, South Carolina, where I, uh, you know, played my senior year of high school um, and went fishing and uh, kind of hung out with my family. So it was, a, it was a good time. How do you beat that? All right. So were they biting? What did you catch? Uh, they, they were, it was all right. You know, we, uh, we did pretty good. We caught some reds, uh, and some speckled trout. Um, but again, it's just good to get on the water and do something other than watching film or playing football. Sam Hartman joining us. I was going to ask you, Sam, I wonder when you have a break like that, you're going to take advantage of it. You know, as a veteran player, what's more important to get that break mentally or to get a break physically? Uh, I think physically, I think, uh, mentally, I, I know I was missing just being around the guys and, um, really, you know, the, practice and, and watching tape and all that i started missing it about friday um and then you, you watch college football on saturday you're like man you know i miss you know the opportunity to play and, and the opportunity to be in front of a crowd and all that but uh definitely physically it's great at you know this point in my career i've been playing for a while so um it was really good to kind of get some time to 
rest and uh, recover. Sam Hartman joining us. Sam, it sounds to me like you actually love the process. You know, it's one thing to understand the process or trust the process, but from the sounds of it, when you say like, yeah, I miss the guys, I miss getting the film room. I mean, do you actually love the process? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's something that Coach Clawson has preached, and and I, I don't think early in my career I really understood or uh, or loved um, doing the little things. But you know, as this uh, my career has gone on and our success at Wake has has kind of uh, gone in the right direction, I think that that's been uh, a huge key for everybody on our team um, of having kind of a process, having a routine, and um, you know, I enjoy just the the day in day out, and, and I have my normal things that I do, and um, it's it's become very kind of you know, fun to just, you know, knock out the little things and, and have success on Saturday. We're talking to Sam Hartman. It seems to me, Sam, that on top of that, you may have your own individual process, but when you're a quarterback and you're playing for a program like that and a coach like that, you've got all eyes on you. And what I mean is this, Dave Clawson said, and he's got the highest praise for you. He says things like Sam's the heartbeat of our football team. Sam sets the direction of our football team. That is extremely high praise and enormous responsibility. Do you feel like it's your job to set the tone for the entire team? And then how do you approach leadership? Um, I think less than a job, it's an opportunity. Um, and I think it's a, it's an honor. I think, uh, you know, at, at most schools, the quarterback's going to be the guy that kind of is the leader. And, and um, I mean, I think I have a great cast around me. I think, the you know, our veteran O-line is really probably, I would say, more the tone setter for us um, as, you know, as a unit. Um, you know, they come to work every single day, and, and we know that they're obviously not the highest praised guys in our in our offense or even on our team and um so i think that that's where it starts and that's really for me the heartbeat of our team is our own line starting with michael jurgens our center who uh you know i've roomed with my whole career and is one of my best friends and then you know it kind of goes out from there and i think uh the running backs are another pivotal part and you know they do a lot of the dirty work and um and then obviously you, you, everyone knows in the country our receiving core is, is one of the best and um so i think that they have those highlight plays but i think it starts up front and also includes the tight ends um, and, I, and I think that that kind of helps me, you know, be, you know, whatever you want to call the face of the program is, is I don't think I can, I mean, nothing happens without the guys up front, you know, doing their jobs. I think anybody who knows you, Sam, and your background would expect you to say exactly what you just said, that, yeah, I'm going to get some praise, but I could not do any of this without everybody else around me. You mentioned the offense. The offense is actually pretty sophisticated. For college football, you lean heavily on the run-pass option. I'm curious. I mean, you couldn't do it without all those guys in front of you and around you, but how much do you enjoy running that RPO attack that a lot of NFL clubs use and the mental component that comes along with making the right decision between going with a run or throwing downfield and all the options it allows you? Um, I mean, I think it you know starts with Coach R, Coach Ruggiero. Um, and, and his ability to kind of get us in the right play and the right formation. And I think even preparation-wise, I think it kind of goes back to having a process and a routine. And, um, you know, they give us every look that we, uh, you know, can possibly see from a team. And, um, you know, they put in a lot of extra work to, to get us in the, in the right spots. And um, I think it's just about executing. I think um, a lot of the times when I struggled early in my career was, you know, trying to do too much or, you know, be a hero in every play. And, um, I think in these past few years, I've really just tried to run the offense and, and trust my guys. And um, again, like that's, you know, the, you look back at all our games this year, a lot of our big plays are winning on one-on-ones. And, um, you know, I just put the ball in a relatively uh, a relative spot that, you know, a guy can make a play and, and most of the guys on the outside are going to make those plays. So um, again, it kind of just goes with 
um, our our coaching staff and then the guys making the plays when we need to make the plays. We're talking to Sam Hartman for a few more moments. So you figured it out, obviously, because you have virtually every passing record in Wake Forest history. I'm curious, what's it been like to go to that school and ball there? Like, how would you describe your entire college experience to date? Um, I mean, you know, surreal would be very cliche, um, but I think definitely a journey. Um, but not one that I would, you know, want to go back and change anything. I think I learned a lot when I was younger um, and made a lot of mistakes that, I, you know, you wish you could have back. But, you know, in, in a twofold event, you know, those mistakes kind of got me to where I am now. And um, I've definitely, you know, learned a lot and, uh, you know, made some great relationships along the way. And, um, you know, I'm just proud to be a, a Demon Deacon as, as corny as it is. And, um, you know, I bleed black and old gold uh, for the rest of my life and, you know, to have an education from here. Um, but also to set a football culture that, you know, we've, you know, in 06 was, you know, we were a really good football team and it kind of fell off from there. But um, to have the student engagement that we have and to have the, the fan support that we have has been uh, incredible and, and kind of, uh, you know, it goes back to the surreal word um, where, you know, you, you play Clemson at home and you, you know, have them on the ropes and obviously we fell short, but just that environment from our students and our fans was, was very cool to be a part of and, you know, something you'll never forget. Nothing corny about that. I think that's actually really cool. Sam Hartman joins me for another few moments, I should say. In a, pri- in a private moment, Sam, I understand that you got to be where your feet are. I understand you've got Boston College coming up. I get all that. In a private moment, have you allowed yourself to think what it might be like to have your name called on the next level and to play and test yourself on the next level? Uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I think it's uh, – I'd be lying to you to say I haven't, but – I mean, like you said, and I, you know, Coach Clawson has preached to a lot of the older guys on the team, you know, um, you know, a high tide rises all ships. And I think that that's going to be, um, you know, the best for my success and the best for my teammates' success that want to play at the next level is if we keep playing well, um, you know, the ships will rise. And um, as long as, you know, Wake Forest tide is high, we're going to, we're going to have a good, uh, you know, good season. And then, you know, hopefully a, a good, you know, next level chance to, to play and, and, and do great things there. Wake Forest is having a really good season. They're number 13 nationally. They're 5-1. and one. They're 1-1 one one in conference play. They're back in action Saturday against Boston College. Their quarterback is Sam Hartman. Sam, I really appreciate the time, and I appreciate the visit. Great job by you. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me on. As always, go Deeks. At the end of hour number two, Tom says, why don't we do the calls first? Why don't we change up? And I said, you know what? That's actually a very good idea. It's not going to work. But it's a good idea. It's one of those good, bad ideas. It's a good idea that will not be executed well. But why not change up? You got to change up. I keep saying the calls are not good. The calls are never good. Well, maybe if we go to them first, they will be good. So let's do this. You don't think so, Alvy? Alvy's straight up mocking you and me both, callers. Let's prove Alvy wrong. So now if up is down and down is up and night is day and day is night, and everything's jacked up and backwards, and we're starting with the calls as opposed to the tweets and social on a Thursday beef segment in hour number three, why not go all in? Whoa. Dude, whoa. Oh. If we're starting with the calls. And don't, hey, Rome, go to the phones. I'm getting there. I want to let you know what I'm doing. If we're starting with the calls and everything is already upside down and backwards, why don't we start this beef segment with Parody Larry? 
If we're going to do this, oh. let's do this. Let's bleeping go. Parody. Oh, my God. Larry, you're going to be on the air again. Oh. 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 A double parody, Larry. Oh. Mind blown. It's so oh bright, Larry. Whoa. Wouldn't it be great if I just kept this bit up and then all of a sudden we just didn't do the segment at all? Larry's like, hey, 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 man, smack. All right, Larry, you're going to lead it off. We're going to the phones first in the beef segment for the first time ever. Parody, Larry Lawrence, what is your beef? My beef is with Kathleen, 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 Kathleen. I'm begging you, please stop calling this show. Methleen, Methleen, you're so obscene. Put down the crack pipe and your phone and go away. She's what's out. Methleen, put down the crack pipe. She's what's out. Hey, Methleen, sorry about that, but that was one of his better efforts in a long time. Methleen, Methleen. Put down the crack pipe. She's what's out. Lawrence, setting the tone for the beef segment. I'd say what is going on, but that's already one of the better phone calls that we've ever had for the beef segment. That's where the standard and where the bar are. All right, let's keep going. This guy's actually been pretty steady. Ed in San Antonio. Ed, what's your beef? Hey, Jimmy Wisco, what up? Yeah, my beef is that commercial where Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas, they're hawking those male supplement products, and especially the creepy part where Frank Thomas winks at the camera and says, hey, by the way, she'll like it too. And my girlfriend says, hey, maybe you should try that. I said, what? Have you seen the side effects? Hair loss, diarrhea, grape nuts, acute angina? Maybe. Ah! That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Hey, Tommy, one of your better ideas. I actually like it. We're two for two. It only took you a year and a half of working here to give me a good idea, but this so far has been a good idea. One was where I, actually they were both run, but they both worked. We're starting with the calls. 1-800-636-8686. The phrase acute angina is going to get you run every single time. How do you not know that by now? Or maybe you do. Let's go to Mount Baker, James. James, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with all your new moron listeners constantly interrupting the show to ask you questions like, Hey, Jim, why do you call Jerry Jones Jera? Hey, Jim, where's the fat sound drop from? Jim, I expect the next ATP a-hole to ask you, Hey, Jim, why do you call it the Jim Rome Show? Hey, buddy, I like the enthusiasm, but shut up and listen to the show for more than five minutes. My man, it's good beef. It's a good beef. The next ATP a-hole to call up and say, Hey, Jim, why do you call it the Jim Rome Show? 1-800-636-8686. We're on a pretty good run. Let's go to Pearland. Robert in Pearland. Robert, what is your beef? Mr. Jim, it's a reverse beef. Uh, ever since that epic orchestral masterpiece, <laughs> that's one in, 
uh, I heard. I want to thank you for nothing staying in. See, 24 hours ago, I heard Rachmaninoff's replacement, and I haven't been able to keep down one morsel of food. In fact, I'm losing weight like crazy, and I will not boycott your show. In fact, I will listen as closely as I can because eventually I'm going to look like a Dodonis. I like it. He did a reverse beef. Actually, that wasn't a beef at all, I don't think. It is a beef segment. Like, where was the beef in that? Was there a beef in that? I don't think. 1-800-636-8686. Let's keep this thing going. We've got to get to the social media beef at some point. But the callers, this was actually a very good idea, I think. I, I don't know if it's a quinky dink or not, but they're better than they normally are. Let's go to Grass Valley. Vince. Vince, what's your beef? What, what's happening, partner? My beef's with the Oakland Raiders. Urgh, Las Vegas Traders. Hey, you can hang a sign there. That ain't the black hole. And the other thing is, if my wife moved to Las Vegas and changed her name, I wouldn't be supporting her anymore either. What they did to the fans in Oakland was like domestic violence. Thanks for your time, Jim. That's what's in. Partner, that is not what's in. What they did to the fans in Oakland is not like domestic violence. There is nothing like domestic violence. That's not what's in, partner. And by the way, the Raiders, what do you mean? Like, that's what they do. That's who they are. They move. What is that news? Is that breaking news? They moved again? Partner? You can't just drop a partner in the middle of a take and think that it's going to work. As much as I like that. That's the best. What's happening, partner, is not, hey, yo, what's up, my brother? What's, happen- what's happening, partner, is you're about to get punched in the face several times. That's- Let me decode what's happening, partner. What's happening is you're about to get your ass kicked. That's what what's happening, partner, means. That's amazing. You know what's amazing? We're eight minutes in, and we're still doing phone calls, and they still sort of work. Let's keep going. We go to Headstrom Bacon. HB. What's happening, partner? Hey, Jim. Straight up. My beef is with those tiny nylon binders that clothing companies thread <laughs> through their products to bind tags and, like, bundle up socks. If you pull them apart, they put holes in the items. If you try to cut them, they're lost inside the clothes to irritate you for all of eternity. Kind of like a parody Larry call. Late. I mean, kind of dumb but accurate. He's right. Especially with, like, athletic socks. Jungle Tourette's, what do you think of when I say that? Especially like athletic socks, businessmen and their black socks, they like to do it. Alvi, that's amazing you just did that. Halfway up your calves? No. Well, how how about athletic socks that only go to your ankles? No, that's not any better by any means. It's And especially, well, <laughs> if you're wrestling that when you look down, that's just no good, too. All-time jungle moment. Alvin, I don't know how you had that ready to roll the way you did. Incredible. 1-800-636-8686. One more call because we haven't even gotten to the social. This is incredible. Ten minutes. Uh, Usually we jam the phone calls in at the very end of the segment and get one or two or three in. We've done 10 minutes of phone calls for this beef segment. Kathleen in Omaha deserves a chance to respond to Parody Larry. So we're going to go to her right now. 
Kathleen, I would ask you what your beef is, but I already know. Go ahead, Kathleen. Look here, Larry. I You need some freaking electric shock therapy. I don't do drugs of any kind. I never drank in my life. All of that is beneath me. I am way better than that. You, whatever, I'm out. <laughs> you are, Kathleen. Both better than that and out. I agree. Ooh, she was worked up. She was worked up. And you, Lawrence, you need electric shock therapy. She was heated. How about Lawrence triggering methylene? I mean, she's usually worked up, but I've never heard her worked up like that before. I'll tell you what, Tommy, it may have taken you a year and a half, but that was a pretty good idea to start with those phone calls. All right, so let's see what we got here. Let's go. It just feels weird. Now I'm going to social media beef. Left in Laguna. There's a three-time champ. Look at Left, the Laguna Beach boy showing up for the beef segment. My beef is with these morons in line at the grocery store who, when they get the total, pull out 49 different freaking coupons and have to get a manager involved. And then these idiots Pull out a damn checkbook. Get the heck out of here. I got places to be. I don't know, Left. That's pretty straight for you. Are we sure that's actually Left? He's not wrong. That's just not what you do, Left. Mericore Jim. My beef is with people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Just know when you hear someone say this, this person is a complete kook. Patrick in Alabama. Trader Brent, my beef is with the bag that has to announce to the entire restaurant that I just spilled my drink all over the table. It's already bad enough. I feel like the world's biggest bozo for blasting my Dr. Pepper all over the appetizers. Add this is a reason to go. Hey, Brent, what, when has that happened? Has, has anybody ever spilled something in a restaurant and then somebody else called that out to everybody else? Hey, hey, look at that idiot. Don't make things up and then call them beefs. You want to know the funniest thing? I, I, I digress for one second before I go back to the beefs. Something happened in our house yesterday that made me laugh out loud. A, a Rome, laugh out loud. See, the Tourette's is brutal, brutal. A Rome family moment because we've done it. it. And this is part of the beef segment. We have two cats. You know this. Sapphire and Cody the Ragdoll Legend. These cats, man, lately, they don't like anything we feed them. So all we do is keep opening up cans of cat food. They're like all over the kitchen because they won't eat. They'll walk over, they'll sniff it, and then they'll leave it. I'm like, great, open another can, open another can. So we've got cat food everywhere. Logan comes down last night, just kind of in his phone, in his AirPods, not paying attention, barefoot, stepped on the cat food. Laugh out loud, dude. I could not stop laughing. He's like, damn. I'm like, bro, that is so funny. I'm happier with you right now, Rogues, than I've been in a long time. Stepped in wet cat food. Rogues is like, then he gets off a great line. He's like, dad. He's like, yo, pop, it's like a landmine. It's like a minefield of cat food around here. I'm like, right? So funny. I just thought I'd share that with you clones. He and I, he, Rogues is funny too. Like, when he does stuff like that, he laughs at himself. It's really funny. Like, when guys, when he pitches and a guy hits one 700 feet off him, he laughs. 
It's like, what am I going to do? How can I not laugh? The guy just hit one five miles off me. I just got schwarbered. Anyway, my beef, this one says, my beef, good job, Logs. You stepping in the cat food was hilarious. That made me very happy. I was proud of you, son. My beef is with athletes and sports writers who equate sports with going to war or battle. You've won the genetic lottery and you get paid handsomely for it. Nothing you do on the field or court is near fighting on a battlefield. Stop it. Tony and SLC is talking about Bacon 45, talking about how returning to the NFL is like, quote, deployment. Yet just like that, just like that, Bake, not at all. Darth Todd 44, I have a beef with social media posts that advise me to wait for it or watch till the end. I'm well aware of how watching a video works. I also have a beef with those Padre fans singing, they should be arrested. Hi, Jim. My beef is with the have a nice day guy that I passed in the hallway. He doesn't know that I listened to that hideous Padre song again today, and it's not happening. If he had listened, he wouldn't be offering up inane platitudes. Thanks for ruining my afternoon, Bill. Dude, I never thought that I would say this. The callers are competitive with social today. They're as good. They really are. Which is to say the social media is not up to par. Jim. My beef is with pop-up ads. How is it that at the exact instant that my index finger moves to click the mouse, (laughs) an ad pops up, and I wind up clicking on the ad instead? Diabolical. To the individual who conceived the idea, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits. Stephen Stockton, that's weird, but your point is well taken. It's true, isn't it? They know. Mr. Rome, my beef is with the businessman guy on his laptop while sitting at the bar. We are impressed with your dedication and hope that you hit all your numbers en route to a record year, but get off the MacBook. Finish your Tito's and Cranberry and talk to the hot drug rep that's checking you out, Tool. Animal in the 334. Wooden Laconic, my beef is with my wife. She takes her dry toothbrush, she loads it with toothpaste, and just starts brushing her teeth without ever getting the toothbrush wet. Gets me every time. Hashtag, what's your beef? Dude, this is why you're wooden and laconic. Jim, every day my wife and I play Wordle. Wednesday, last week, the word of the day was ionic. Ionic. Which is actually a chemistry term. When my wife asked me what ionic means, I told her it was slang for iconic. Ionic. My beef is with the Jim Rome show for convoluting my understanding of the English language. Also, I can no longer properly pronounce the word struggling. Struggling. Brian in the D. Dude, you are too smart for this program. Well done. We've dumbed you down. Right, Brian? The show has dumbed you down. Rome, I got a beef with my older brother. He shows up to my house like the British Army expecting to be fully quartered along with access to the liquor cabinet. 
There is a reason why I moved 300 miles away from you. Take your alcoholic ass back to that trailer in Idaho. Joel in Montana. There's your winner so far. I like that, Joel. That was real. That was raw. This guy wants me to feed him and liquor him, and he wants to stay as long as he can. My beef is with customer service agents thanking me for my patience. My flight just got canceled. I've been on hold for the last hour and a half trying to rebook. What the hell other choice did I have? I'm not patient. Your customer service is serial ass. Serial ass? Matt in the ATX. All right, I got a beef. I'll jump in mid-segment with a beef. It involves that. I was downgraded again. We're going to Mexico like we do most Christmas vacations. I've been busting my ass doing so many, so many podcasts and so many shows. Do you know why that is? I'll be real with you. I've been very real about being very real lately. I want to sit up front. At the end of the year, at the end of a long year of grind, you know what? I want to sit up front. I'll own that. I will own that. Now, Dodger Jano does not give a damn where we sit. She really doesn't. The kids don't give a damn where they sit. They really don't. The old man, he cares. I want to sit up front. We got the phone call. No airlines mentioned. Alaska Airlines. They're like, yo, you're not sitting up front. Ooh, yo, yes, I am. No, no, we, we rebooked a smaller plane, so you are no longer sitting up front. What? Dodger Jano. Let's see what we can do about that. Nothing. So even better. You know what's great? There is one ticket up front. I'm like, great. Now what do I do? One of us can sit up front. Dr. Jano says, we don't care, honey. You've worked really hard. You sit up front. I'm like, oh, yeah. The optics of that would be incredible. In the event that anybody on the off chance recognizes me, it's like, hey, Rome, you vacationing by yourself? Oh, no, my family's in coach. I'm up front. Yeah, because I want to be that guy. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have them drive and boat to Mexico, and I'm going to fly up front. No, I said, DJ, Dodger Jano, you sit up front. Absolutely, you will sit up front. She's like, no, I don't care. You sit up front. You work really hard. You need to. Me and the boys don't care. I'm like, awkward, awkward, awkward. awkward. So I try to tell her. I'm like, no, it's a family of four. We stay together. We stay together. So now we got this weird thing about who's sitting up front. Anyway, that's my beef. Airline, stop doing this, man. And and I'm not the guy ever to reach for the phone. I will not reach the phone for the phone when it happens day of. But can you stop rebooking us like that? We booked way out to prevent that sort of thing. All right, this segment's like unbelievable. This is ionic. Ionic. Romy, my beef. Is with a guy playing music on a portable speaker while golfing. Hey, buddy, I know I'm not Brooks Kepka or anything, but your damn music is breaking my concentration. Shut that thing off before I shove it up your ass. Wow, bro. Violent much? Oh, it's Amber. War Lady Clones. Amber in Portland. War Lady Clones. My beef is with you, Jimmers. My wife has to hear me at night with my jungle Tourette's. And it irritates her to no end. But the one day we are both home, you have to play that hideous Padre sound. She knows it was making me cringe all night. I had to hear he 
that's what's in. That's what's in. Like the, that's what she said after everything I said. Thanks, Jim. Dan in Dallas. Yeah, bro, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I did not want that. I did not want that for any of us. Dave, the Rocky guy. I have a beef with clones who have a beef with moving the beef segment to Thursday. Hey, neckbeards. Push away from the keyboard. Get out of your mom's basement. Suck in some fresh air. You got that, neckbeards. Mr. Rome, what's our beef? You. Getting blackout drunk, making a scene, and saying the things that you said. Regards, the staff at Javier's for Rome's birthday dinner. Geoff and Lincoln. Stop making crap up, Geoff. Geoff, you weren't there. You don't know. They love me at Javier's. Why wouldn't you love me? I'm like shots of 42 for everybody. And then I tip like I'm drunk. You're wrong, Geoff. Are you kidding? Hey, Rome, I've got a beef with Alvin for giving Parody Larry the buzzer. Meth lean is an all-time jungle gloss. It will definitely stick. Aaron in Iowa. Still going. Benton. Benton is an all-time OG, old-school clone. Whenever I talk about this, who are the longest or oldest reigning clones? I don't know who came first. Silk, the CEO, Raider Mike, or Benton? These are pretty much the OG of the OGs in IRA. Benton. Benton ran our web when the web was not even a web. Like the original website, Benton ran. And also, Stucknut. My beef is with shock. Not coming up with this idea earlier. These calls were gold. It's true. Shock. That was a fun segment. Are we done? Unless there's more calls to go to. Now we're done. Good job, everybody. Give yourselves a hand. Those were the best calls. I'm not going to say that we'll do that every single time, but that is a nice card to play. That's good to have in the back pocket. Well done. And Chalk, way to come up with an idea. Finally. Finally. It worked. I like it. Finally. There it is. There is your beef segment. It's a Thursday staple. Hey, hey, hey. Apology accepted. It worked. Good night now.